You better believe it that this week's podcast comes with a language warning. How you use that information is up to you, but if there are kids <laughs> listening, you might want to break out the earplugs. Let's Uncle go. Steve, come on, let us out. I'm going to make them an offer, Cameron. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennec. Go ahead. Make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together, they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Watch on a big screen Hisense TV. The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. G'day, welcome everybody to The Best Movies You've Never Seen. My name is Stephen Fennec and we are talking this week about Pulp Fiction, a movie I've seen many, many, many times. And I'm joined by my good mate Trevor Long, who I I think he may have seen this before, but doesn't remember it or hasn't seen it before. Which is it, Trev? I, I have, I'm sure I've seen it. I certainly don't remember, but there's like two scenes in this that I could, I could not quote, but I could certainly account for right. and, and tell you. But I... Don't know the story of it, so I. Uh, but I so know how many, iconic it is, mate. So yeah, there could have been movies you've seen, but you yeah. just don't remember it. Is that the thing? Well, yeah, like, we've discussed. You may the have fact seen that it, you don't remember. If you've seen it, you don't remember it. I don't remember the details of the first movie we covered on this show twenty weeks ago. <laughs> okay, so, the, so every movie is like you've seen it for the first time. That's we could great. basically rename the show "The Worst Memory You've Ever Heard Of." <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about today's movie. We're talking about, of course, Pulp Fiction. Now, this was released in 1994, written and directed by our man Quentin Tarantino. Now, this Tarantino had already been on the scene. He'd, he'd, he'd made uh, Reservoir Dogs, I think was the movie before this, and that was a massive hit. So when this came about, uh, there was a lot of anticipation around it. Little little thing about this movie, it had a really low budget. It only cost $8 million to make. So it's, right. uh, yeah, it was fairly low budget and, and it was even lower before Bruce Willis came on board. Bruce Willis came on and he was added to the cast and he, he, he lifted the budget up. So $5 million went to pay the actors and the actresses' salaries and then uh, it, it, did become, uh, it did become a massively profitable film, grossed over $200 million at the box office. But wow. this is a really highly quotable movie. I think 
Quentin Tarantino in this movie just shows what a great writer he is. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's got that – it's almost Seinfeld-like, his attention to detail in various things, you know, with talking about foot massages and various other things in this movie. Did you sort of feel that, that he's sort of that minutia he sort Mate, of turned into this compelling script? I This is a movie that I, I, I have a great appreciation now for the writing. You know, normally, you know, you, you book to screenplay, it's kind of just, you know, it's a trickle down. But you can see this was written as this movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's very well structured. The, the, the idea of the, it's a bit of that reversal, you know, time shifting uh, yeah. putting it around out of sequence is so brilliantly done. That's, that's actually my favorite part of the, of, of the structure of the movie. And so you had your impressions before this. But let's let's talk about your impressions before this yep. latest viewing. What what do you remember? What were you? Uh, what were your impressions? I just remember. I know John Travolta was in it, and I know that it was super cult iconic. But I didn't know that it was like successfully iconic. You know what I mean? Like it felt to me like it was a real cult movie. Um, but I, you know, as I said, I there's a scene in it where where there's a gun that goes off in a car. Uh, that's the only scene. If if I was saying to myself, should my son watch this? I'm thinking to myself, should he see that moment? That's yeah. all I knew of the movie in advance. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, the reaction to this movie. It had seven Oscar nominations, and and it won the best original screenplay. That was uh, Quentin Tarantino shared the award with a guy named Roger Avery. Now, this caught a bit of, caused a bit of tension. He was a – Roger Avery's an old mate of Tarantino's. And, well, the, the famous story about Tarantino, he used to be a video store clerk. So he used to work in a video store. Oh. Had no professional film training. was just this prolific movie viewer and became this great writer-director. And he knew Roger Avery back then. Now, parts of Pulp Fiction was was written by Avery. The, the, the word is that Avery's input – his his contribution was the Butch and Fabian scene, you know, with Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and, and his girl. That, that that was mainly the bits that he wrote. So he uh, Tarantino shared the award, even though the studio was pushing for the movie credit to say written and directed, which was written and directed uh, by Quentin Tarantino. So um, he was given in the movie a shared story credit, but still got an Oscar for helping nice. write it. So, And another, another little thing about this too, sort of the promotion of this movie. So you got to remember, this came out in the early 90s. So 1994, this was one of the very first movies to tap into the internet for marketing. Oh. So it really tapped into uh, that, that sort of younger audience who was on the net. This was one of the first movies to may have a major marketing push using the interwebs. That maybe maybe one of the first to have not not the content but the conversation around it go viral via ele- electronic means. Absolutely right, absolutely right. Well, we're about to dive into the movie, and we're going to spoil the hell out of it if you haven't seen it. So, uh, if you haven't done that, you must take the last exit before the freeway here, and perhaps maybe watch the movie on Fetch. That's the way to do it. Uh, Pulp Fiction is uh, just awesome, as we will describe, and you can watch it on Fetch just by simply searching your Fetch box, and it'll tell you straight up. It's available on Stan. If you've got an active Stan subscription, boom, straight in. Dive in, get it there. If you don't, you can rent or buy it on Fetch. And as I've said before, one of the great things there is that once you rent a movie, you've got, a, I think it's 48 hours to watch it. If you buy the movie, it then sits in your library. So you can open up your Fetch box. You can go to My Stuff down to movies, and you can see all the movies you've bought so that at any point in time, uh, while Stephen has a physical library of, uh, of Blu-rays and DVDs, I've got a digital library of Fetch movies that I've watched and own. 
through the Fetch system. It's a it's a movie lover's dream, uh, including thirty movies uh, every every month, hand picked and curated by the Fetch team in the movie box, the movie uh, that that's part of your subscription. So a fantastic service, easy to get through your internet provider if they've got it, or from your major retailers. Okay, if you're still listening. You're ready to join, get on the journey with us to talk about Pulp Fiction. Now, Trevor, you have, what are your impressions now? You've seen it again or for the first time? Hell, what are your impressions now? I, you know, I think I've said, I don't know if I've said it specifically on this show, but I think the movies that come to my mind as being my favourites are Shawshank and The Great Escape. I think Great Escape because I watched it a lot as a kid, Shawshank because I do love the story. But I'm going to tell you, mate, if Pulp Fiction isn't, just in the top three, it's it's up there, mate. I loved this. I love this because even though it's quite, it was quite long. It was like two and a half. Um, yeah, it's about two twenty, I think it was. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I watched it late. Like I, I hit play at like ten p.m. and I went, "This is going to oh goodness me, this is going to take me through the night." I'd mate, I didn't, I didn't miss a beat. It it's just constant and quick, see, yeah, if no, it's just... not constant action, it's constant um, dialogue. Um, it's, it, but it doesn't make you overthink. And that's what I, I mean, I'll be honest. That's something that takes me away from a movie. So I'm just, I'm here to relax. So I don't want to have to think. I love this movie because it just makes you smile so much. So yeah, the dialogue's amazing. I like this. I, I love the part of the appeal of this movie. Obviously the dialogue's great. Story's great. But the situations he creates, the situations that, that are in the movie that we'll yeah. talk about. So there's the, these little things that happen. So how would you tweet this? What's your tweet going to be? Yeah, I think this one, uh, let me think about it. I'm going to tweet that, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction, iconic cult movie that stands the test of time and is worth the first watch or the 100th rewatch. Absolutely right, which that's more latter my the 100th rewatch I've seen <laughs> so many times. But what I've picked up about it, though, you, there are little things to pick up, and I did on the my more recent watches – you know how there's kind of three or four different storylines that yes. intertwine and sort of bend time and everything? Seinfeld-like, as you say. It is. But each story is about redemption, about redeeming yourself. So you think about it. It is too. How, you know, or, or every character in, every, in the stories, the main character in each story, it's about them redeeming themselves somehow. So, you know, how the, the people like Jules, he decides, you know what, I'm going to go a different way. Uh, John Travolta, well, not, not, not really for him. Bruce Willis, he sort of helps out Marcellus Wallace, so he mm-hmm. sort of redeemed himself. So all the, all the characters, it's about redemption. What I love, too, about Tarantino, how he shot this, because don't forget he directed it as well, right? I loved how he just left the camera on the characters. There was no intercuts, no real heavy editing. No. Like the scene would be the scene where he wouldn't he'd turn the camera on and just let it run. It's like, make it. If stuff. you don't get it through it, do it again. So he's not he's not sort of this, you know, moving the camera and taking these angles. Like, you know how some really artistic directors really like mm. to cut, do a lot of cuts? I loved how he just let it let it play out. The sort of the, the screen, the, the, the scene did what it had to do. Yep. No, no trickery required. Let's move into the casting call, mate. And I think the uh, I think the big story with this movie is John Travolta. Uh, yeah. He plays Vincent Vega. This movie really heralded his comeback. That's the big angle here: is that he was kind of done. He, he'd made in the past Saturday Night Fever, Saturday Night Fever Greece, Greece. Welcome Back, Cotto when he was younger, and no one was hiring him. He was seen as sort of washed up. His career's over. But Tarantino had him in mind for this role, apparently, from the get-go. As soon as he wrote right. this role, he, he had him in mind, offered it to him, and 
the rest is history. It really re, yeah, re- kick-started his career, restarted his career, and uh, it really took off. Samuel L. Jackson plays Jules, also set his career on a path as well. He'd had small roles. If you've seen Goodfellas, Jurassic Park, he had these really small roles, not starring roles in those films. But this movie, I think, proved he can carry a movie. Right. Um, but uh, the other thing, too, about this movie is it's fantastic supporting cast, too. We had Uma Thurman, who plays Mia Wallace, Ving Rhames, who plays Marcellus Wallace. But have a listen, have a li- look at the supporting cast as well. Amanda Plummer, Tim Roth, Eric Stoltz. Remember, he plays Lance, the drug dealer. Mm. Now, a bit of trivia for you here, Trev. Eric Stoltz was the original choice for Marty McFly in Back to oh. the Future. Wow. In fact, they shot five weeks with Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. You can find those scenes on YouTube. Really? Before they decided, you know what, you're not right for this role. So they politely said, mate, you're out, and they brought Michael J. Fox in to replace him. Wow, that's that was crazy. Marty McFly for five weeks. Famous story. There are scenes, like I said, you can find his scenes of Back to the Future on YouTube if you look for him. Wow. Uh, the other supporting cast member was Rosanna Arquette, who plays Lance's uh, bitchy girlfriend uh, when, when the, uh, ad- in the adrenaline shot scene, which we'll talk about. Before we get to the run-through, though, I'd like to have a chat about our other great sponsor, Hisense. Hisense TVs offer you amazing, uh, the amazing experience that we were about to talk about. All the movies that we bring you are brilliant visually. They sound great. So what, what better thing to have is a TV that can provide you with that great experience, and that's exactly what Hisense can do. And Hisense have a range of sizes, including 85-inch TVs. 85-inch TVs and 75-inch TVs are two of the large, the fastest-growing sizes for Australian customers. So I've got a saying here, go big or go home. Yes. Hisense agrees with me. Trevor's got an 85-inch Hisense TV that I think he watched Pulp Fiction on that Absolutely. very television. It's got mini LED technology, quantum dot technology, 4K. And if you want to go 8K, there's an 8K TV with AI upscaling as well. Dolby Vision, so it looks amazing. Dolby Atmos, so it sounds amazing. So you're getting that whole experience. And all Hisense TVs come with a three-year warranty. So no risk there. Uh, the, the TV... Fantastic experience, both visually, audio is fantastic, terrific, terrific technology at your fingertips. If you want to check them out, highsense.com.au. Anyway, let's kick it off, mate. Let's get into the run through now. And we start off in a little cafe scene. So there's, mm. uh, I, I like how, so we've got Amanda Plummer's character and, and Tim Tim Roth, and they're talking about, you know, they're obviously criminals talking about robberies. And yep. he goes, oh, the last cafe we robbed did this. And I love how the chat turns to, you know, there's a, the risk of a cafe robbery is probably higher than a bank robbery. And he, and he mentions this, remember the story he tells about, he goes, there was a guy walked in a bank with a phone and said there was a person at the other end said, if you don't give this guy all the, all your money, they, they, I'm going to kill his girl. And the point he made, he goes, he actually, there was someone who robbed the bank with a phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, it's a great, I loved it. Because two things about this scene that I love. Firstly, it's classic American diner, not in any way manufactured. Like I've been to diners that look, yeah. in fact, I, I was looking at that going, have I been there? Like it's, it's just such classic looking American diner that, that it just made me feel great about watching it. And then it's that transition where he's sitting there thinking, why would we do these risky gigs? And they talk about the wallets. He, he said, he talks about seeing a, um, a robber take the wallets of the people in a bank and or, or in another job. And essentially that was where the biggest haul was. And he said, look around here. 
all these all these wallets. Yeah. And it's he such a great goes, idea. Nobody robs restaurants. <clears throat> nobody does it. Everyone's thinking everyone's they're not expecting it. Liquor stores because they're 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 caught out. But uh, you know what? They have a conversation. I said, "Listen, what are we going to do?" And they said, "Well, let's do it." Everybody, be cool. This is a robbery. And the obscure fucking pricks move, and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. <laughs> so we're off to the races there. So it's a fascinating just, start to the movie because, <laughs> as a viewer, and now having watched it you don't realise that you've got to park that whole scene in your mind from this point on. Like, it, it means nothing. That scene means nothing until the end. Until later, of course. It's just yeah. fascinating. It's I a fascinating process. That line, when she says, I'll every, execute every motherfucker one of you, then boom, it's, it's a sort of smash cut into the opening credits and the music. It really yes. sort of gets you, gets you cracking early on. Great well, music. I think I wrote that in my notes. Yeah. I actually really love the fact that it's a – it's a pumping, you know, it gives you the title and then it's big yeah. name actor after big name actor. It's just, man, it's, yeah. so it gets ready, you going. Ready to rock and roll. And, uh, and after those credits, then we next see uh, Vincent and Jules driving along. And the, the, the scene here is explaining that Jules has just got back from Amsterdam. We find out later he spent three years mm. in Amsterdam and he's explaining to Jules <laughs> how the little differences between, uh, you know, he said, Europe, you know, it's a bit like us, but there's all these little differences. I mean, they got the same shit over there that they got here, but it's just, just there, it's a little different. Example. All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup, I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer in McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Oh, man, they got the metric system. They don't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it the Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. Royale with cheese. What's great here, and this, I'll be honest, this does make me start thinking about the Seinfeld thing because it's just, you're, you're watching this this set piece with these two guys. Literally, it's like you're, you're sitting in the back seat with them. <laughs> it's like, what is the point of this conversation? But it's establishing this, you know, the vibe between them. Yeah. It's establishing a very different um, personality between each of them. But also, it lays the groundwork. There's so many things, and you'll bring them to me, but there's so many things in this movie that come back later on, like the Royale with cheese. And, you know, it's just (laughs) far out. It's just, why would you have this conversation about Royale with cheese? Oh, wait, because later on, we're going to talk burgers. So good. Exactly right. So uh, we we see them. They're on their driving. They're on their way to go to their apartment. We think we know that they, they remember they open up the boot and they think, oh, we should have shotguns. How many guys could be up there up to five? Okay, so they're making their way up to the apartment, and <laughs> then Sam, <laughs> Jules lays on some news about Tony Rocky Horror. Apparently, one of Marcellus Wallace's uh, guys got uh, thrown off the roof of a building, and I, I think Vincent asks, us, "Why? Why did he do that?" He, and, and they say that uh, he gave uh, Marcellus Wallace's wife a foot massage. And, and it's just such. This is this is typical of sort of that minutia, sort of how yes. the conversation goes here. So here's where what how the discussion started. It was a foot massage. A foot massage is nothing. I give my mother a foot massage. No, it's laying your hands in a familiar way on Marcellus's new wife. I mean, is it is it as bad as eating her pussy out? No. It was the same fucking ball pump. Whoa, 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 whoa! Stop right there. Even bitch out and giving the bitch a foot massage ain't even the same fucking thing. It's, it's the same ballpark. <laughs> ain't no fucking ballpark neither. <laughs> Maybe your method of massage differs from mine, but you know, touching his wife's feet 
and sticking your tongue in the holiest of holies ain't the same fucking ballpark. It ain't the same league. It ain't even the same fucking sport. So I just don't mean shit. Have you ever given a foot massage? <laughs> don't be telling me about foot massages. I'm the foot fucking master. <laughs> you a lot of them? Shit, yeah. Got my technique down and everything. I don't be tickling or nothing. Would you give a guy a foot massage? <laughs> Fuck you. You give him a lot? Fuck you. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of tired. I could use a foot massage myself. Yo, 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 man. You best back off. I'm getting a little pissed here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so honestly we've seen this little discussion i just really hope that you know you know my crappy memory i just really hope that that stays in my memory because it's just like when someone says That's something I'm like dude dude not in the same ballpark you know what not in the same league no not even the same sport it's such a great line <laughs> so they've rocked up to the apartment and he goes <sighs> what time you got and he goes seven twenty-two in the am and then they decide to say okay let's hang back so they walk down the hallway and then they continue the foot massage conversation. I ain't saying it's right, but you're saying a foot massage don't mean nothing. I'm saying it does. And look, I've given a million ladies a million foot massages and they all meant something. We act like they don't, but they do. I mean, that's what's so fucking cool about it. There's a sensuous thing going on where, where you know, you don't talk about it, but you know it. She knows it. Fucking Marcellus knew it. And Antoine should have fucking better known better. I mean, that's his fucking wife, man. They think they have no sense of humor about this shit. So they, they both they both present their, their sides of the argument, and they both they're both valid. I think, don't you reckon? I think they I think they're both valid. I think they end up not seeing eye to eye, but agreeing to disagree. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. The fun, the fun, <laughs> the best part about this is there's you know they stand at the door seven twenty two. No, we're going to hang back. We will have that other conversation, and then they move forward. And it's like, what time were you hanging out for? Like. What, did you we hanging out for seven twenty four because that's when you went in? Like it's just it's a lovely undes, undescribed, unanswered question yeah, in the movie. A little bit of detail, it added what, detail. Why yeah. did we wait? Because it didn't really matter. We wanted to have more conversations about the foot massages while they waited. Oh. So anyway, they, they've come to the apartment and uh, they walk in. There's guys there, and uh, yeah, I think there's a guy in the lounge. And, and um, Jules says, "No, keep chilling." And he sort of makes him sit lay back on the lounge, and and he says, "Oh, I, I think we caught you guys at breakfast." Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? Hamburgers. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. What kind of hamburgers? Cheeseburgers. No, 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 no. Where'd you get them? McDonald's, Wendy's, Jack in the Box, where? Big Kahuna Burger. Big Kahuna Burger. (laughs) That's that Hawaiian burger joint. I hear they got some tasty burgers. I ain't never had one myself. How are they? Good. You mind if I try one of yours? This is yours here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a tasty burger. <laughs> I just love the detail, and you know what? We'll save the, the there's some quotes the quotes later about this how the conversation goes further. They, they've sort of come into the apartment and he's sort of, you know, they've built a bit of rapport. They've sort of kept it easy, but it does take a turn. Do you remember when he starts questioning Brett? Brett's the guy that's, on the- that he grabbed the burger, he grabbed the burger from. Right? Yeah, the table, yeah. Right? And the bloke speaks up behind him. And then remember when, when Jewel goes, I don't remember asking you a damn thing. So it's sort of right. We're on, we're going to the, we're off to the races now. So the tone has completely changed. Huge yes. change in the room. 
and then he then he, he he was asking he starts asking Brett what um, a question, and then he shoots the guy in the lounge. He goes. He goes. I'm sorry. Did I break, Did I break your concentration? But then he asks. <laughs> then he asks this. What does Marcellus Wallace? What? What country are you from? What? 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 ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? <laughs> what? English, motherfucker. Do you speak it? Yes. Then you know what I'm saying. Yes. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. He's black. Go on. He's bald. Does he look like a bitch? Does he look like a bitch? No! Then why you try to fuck him like a bitch, Brett? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did, Brett. You tried to fuck him. No, my son no. Wallace don't like to be fucked by anybody except Mrs. Wallace. <laughs> oh, my favorite part about this scene is actually John Travolta in the background, in so in the kitchen, just rolling a smoke, having a having yeah, a cigarette. Was- like he's just chill. Like he's literally just chilling. There's just no movement. There's no uh, no uh, lines. <laughs> he's, the he's the backup. <laughs> he's just there, and it's just such a great because again, it's the way it's shot. It's basically just two cameras. One. From looking at looking at, at each of them, and you've got one of two options. There's no real need to show much more than that. But oh man, it's such a great establishment of these two guys. Oh yeah, it's awesome. And so next we see uh, switch of switch of scene to we see uh, Jules and Vincent arriving to see Marcellus Wallace, but they're dressed in a t-shirt, so they're not dressed how they were a second no. ago. You think okay, some, there's a trans something's happened here. And they walk in and uh, they they see at the bar, well, they get welcomed in and they see Butch at the bar. And well, first first of all, you, you, you see uh, Butch, Butch is in there talking to Marcellus Wallace. Remember, he's, yeah. in, he's in there chatting with him. And there's all, I find it really interesting how this whole thing, Marcellus Wallace is, is talking and the camera is on Bruce Willis for like a minute and a half. Yeah, just on Bruce Willis. Yet Marcellus Wallace is doing all the talking. So all you're seeing is Butch kind His of reaction. Told, listen, in the in the six, you take a dive. You know, if you you might feel a slight sting. He goes, fuck that. That's pride. Fuck pride. So you do what I tell you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So then Vince and Jules walk in, and and um, they're in their t-shirts. And we find also that his uh, Vincent ha- is taking Mia Wallace out to yeah. his Marcellus Vincent, out of town. Vincent, tell, yeah, that's right. And it's it's this start that starts to be this conversation about him taking her out on a date. Um, but there's there's this moment though with Vincent and Butch uh, Travolta and and Bruce Willis at the yeah. bar, which I think is just a really great thing because they're both like one of them is a clearly a prize fighter, one of them is. You know, a, a you know a, a henchman for a for a uh, you know an underworld figure, and so they're both big egos, and that's how it comes together. You looking at something, friend? You ain't my friend, Palooka. <laughs> what was that? I think you heard me just fine, punchy. You need some natives in the house. Find <clears throat> natives. Get your ass over here. So immediately you think, okay, these guys don't like each other. No, do they know well, each other? He, he, they clearly know each other because Vincent calls him Punch. So he, he's obviously 
either he's either That's part it. of the team or he's well known enough that he's uh, a prize fighter. Some news about uh, what they do later. Um, little you know things you might not know that I'll, I'll reveal. Oh, <laughs> so next, uh, next, well, we we know that Mia Wallace, uh, Vincent's taking Mia Wallace out before that. Before that though, he goes to see Lance, his dealer, and he buys a whole bunch of heroin. And he said, you know, he's, uh, I think Lance was explaining, you know, Coke is dead. Heroin's making a comeback. So mm-hmm. um, he explains, though, in that scene, he just been back from um, Amsterdam. Amsterdam yeah. He's got this really nice car. And he goes, you know what someone did? Someone keyed my car. Can you believe it? Yeah. It's why would you mess with another man's automobile? He's really up down about that. And then he asks uh, Lance, he, he makes the deal. And he goes, oh, do you mind if I shoot up here? And which he does. So he's a, he's a heroin user. The next scene, the next thing we see is him. Obviously, he's had his he's had his hit, and then he's on to on his way to pick up Mia Wallace. He's so, off his dial to go visit the the boss's wife and take her on a date. It just it, it creates this thing where you go. So I, under no circumstance, if I was taking someone out, say taking out the boss's wife, you know, basically not on a date but just to keep a company, would I even want to be drunk, let alone on drugs? Yeah, but this exactly. it just paints the circumstance of this other world these people live in absolutely um, and uh and that's he's off his dial he he, he <laughs> the best part of this scene is when he's at the house and and she's speaking over a, a speaker system and he's like what is this like well, who's <laughs> talking to me and then he starts talking to the intercom and he's just like one word answers on the intercom yep you know it's just so did well you done. notice did you notice in this this when he arrives in the house room he's got his jacket under his arm and mm-hmm. he's sort of looking around like he's lost did you notice that's become a meme have you seen this meme? No. Where people who have no idea what's going on, they add this little meme. It's it's at that little scene of, of of Travolta sort of looking around like he's trying to work out what the hell's going on. I love it. Yeah. Is it? Like you you'll 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 be noticing these now. Um and so when you see oh she's on the intercom and uh she's I think she has a she has a line of coke, so you know yep. she's uh, she so doesn't now they now we know they're candy. both on it. Yeah, so she doesn't mind a bit of nose candy, and uh, they decide to go to Jack Rabbit Slim's, which which was this really cool. What is it like, fifties, sixties inspired restaurant? Sort well, of it's like a TV restaurant. inspired. It's a, it's an entertainment yeah. industry inspired place. You know, you've got um, you got Marilyn Monroe's, you got Buddy Holly's, you've yeah. got um, Ed <laughs> Sullivan uh, as the host of the joint. It's yeah. brilliant. Like cool. I'm looking I'd at it, go going, there. I would go. I would go yeah. there. Would regularly love to be there. Would love to be there. I think, um, and the best part about it is, it's clear, so she's obviously been there before. She knows what it is. Um, and they've decided to sit. She's booked them a seat in an actual car, so it's like a half of a car. They're sitting in it, and they're looking at the menu. And you know, you got to put yourself back in the time and everything. But she orders what's actually called a five dollar shake. Five dollar shake. Yep. And and he to the point where he's like, "Is it, you just?" I love the way he says five dollar. Five dollar. They don't say the V. They say five dollar. The, a five dollar <laughs> shake, and he in his mind he's just like I can't imagine. Yes, is there alcohol in that? What is, is it? Is well, that... It's milk and ice cream. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. how does that work? It's you brilliant. like how he uh, the the waiter was Buddy Holly? That was actually Steve Buscemi in a in a was it really cameo? Yeah, Steve Buscemi was Buddy Holly, and he asked him. He he, he takes um, Travolta Vincent's order, and then he asks her. He goes, "What about you, Peggy Sue?" Which yes. is a, a Buddy Holly song. And then he asked when he when he takes the order for the shake. Did you notice how he what he said? He goes, "Do you want that at Martin and Lewis or Amos and Andy?" And so, the, the reason he asked that is because Amos and Andy were a couple of black comedians, 
and Martin and Lewis were white comedians. So oh, wow. Vanilla okay. or chocolate. He goes, Jesus. Vanilla or chocolate. He goes, Amos and Andy or, or Martin and Lewis? And she says, I'll take a Martin and Lewis. Far and, out. Uh, it's so so detailed. <laughs> no, you, that, 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 again, a multiple multiple watch uh, for that. And uh, they have their, I love that little conversation they have at the table. Talk, and she yeah. was talking about her pilot, explaining how she was sort of a – the pilot was about these female secret agents. And she mentions another and, – and, again, another Seinfeld-esque sort of – uh, little like a subject with uncomfortable silences. You know? Yes. I, I, yes. Don't, don't you hate that sort of that uncomfortable silence? But again, you know in, in that... a Seinfeld esque kind of way, it, it comes up again later. Like the, yes. it's little things like that that don't just have one appearance; they have meaning to the to the thing. Oh, and, yeah. It's so and, rich in detail. There's a lot of detail in this thing. Uh, what about like the, the thing for me about this? And I'm assuming at the time it would have been somewhat iconic. Was John Travolta on a dance floor? Because of Saturday Night Fever, Absolutely. it would have been like, hang on a minute, yeah. here it is. And he he asked, remember he said, look, I'm going to ask you something. Can you promise not to be offended? He goes, that's impossible. How can you promise not to be offended? If I'm going to be offended, I'm going to be offended. The question he asked was about Tony Rocky Horror, remember, in the foot yep. massage. Yeah. And um, she, I think her reply was, look, the only thing um, Tony Rocky Horror ever touched of mine was my hand when I shook it. When he shook it, so uh, he she and then she says, "You once you guys get it, you you know you have your little gossip sessions." And she's kind of had a bit of a crack at him. And um, see, the thing about that story is, it's kind of got little or no impact on the overall plot line of the whole movie. But it's actually a kind of commentary on gossip. You know, it's a commentary yeah. on whether it's a normal workplace or the underworld. You know, it's gossip, Chinese <laughs> whispers, gossip. It all it 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 goes out of control, snowballs. Yeah. And so then the uh, the announcement comes across that they're having a dance contest and they decide to enter. Now, who will be our first contestants? Right here. Hey. Want to dance? No, 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 no. I do believe Marcellus, my husband, your boss, told you to take me out and do whatever I wanted. Now I want to dance. I want to win. I want that trophy. It's so a dance good. All right. So the, they enter the contest, and they are, it goes for a few minutes. This, yes, this it's quite. Dance. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's actually pretty good. It's like a fun, fun little scene. And uh, next thing we see is they've won the contest because they're walking yep. back into her into her place. She's yes. holding the big trophy. Um, Vincent walks in and uh, she says, "Okay, drinks." And he goes, "Look, I want to go take a piss." And she goes, "Oh, a bit too much information, but uh, okay, I'll see you in a minute." Um, so Mia was wearing. Did you notice? Um, yeah, his, his, coat. his jacket, the, the the coat that he was carrying when he's lost in the apartment. Yep, correct. So <laughs> she's now wearing it. Now, what we don't realize is that in his pocket is a little bag of heroin. And we saw earlier that she's a fan of the nose candy. She thinks, "Oh, this is this is coke," and so she she decides she's going to take some of this. And I don't know how long Vincent was in the bathroom for. He was saying, look, okay, take a drink, be respectful. Yeah, he's, he's trying out, to talk himself out of staying, basically, because he's worried or about where it's going to go and being thrown out happen. of a window. <laughs> and uh, that's right. <laughs> but I don't know how long he was in there for because because when he comes out, remember you, all you see is the close-up on um, Mia's Her, face. Yeah, it's rem- it reminds you of the one floor of the cuckoo's nest when Nurse Ratchet's getting strangled. Yes, that's and all true. all you see yeah. is her face. Yes. Same thing here where you think you hear him coming towards her. She's foaming at the mouth and bleeding out of the nose and you, all you hear is his reaction. So it's tight on her face. Yeah. And then he's he's then driving off to see Lance again and mm. um, he's trying to call. He's, he's He knows, oh, mate, don't die. He's saying, don't die on me. But then he, he makes, the, makes the call to Lance. 
what, what's the problem? I got this chick. She's fucking ODing on me. Well, don't bring her here. I'm not even fucking joking with you, man. Do not be bringing some fucked up pooba to my house. No choice. She's ODing? She's fucking dying on me, man. Okay, well, then you bite the fucking bullet and you take her to a hospital and call a lawyer. Negative. This is, this is not my fucking problem, man. You fucked her up. You fucking deal with this. Uh, are you talking to me on a cellular phone? <laughs> I don't know you. Who is this? Don't come here. I'm hanging up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. <laughs> so, next thing we see, and I didn't realize this till I watched it uh, this last time. He crashes into the house. Yeah, not just a little bit, a lot. Yeah, like, he smashes yeah. into the house. He doesn't stop on the front lawn. He but see, the, the, because the, house. the funny part of that is, you, you know, he's just complained about how someone keyed his beautiful car, right? Yes. And so the importance of keeping this woman alive outplays his love for that he's car because car. he's just like, true, true that. Yeah. So he's, they get here inside, and I love this little interplay here where Rosanna Arquette <laughs> plays the bitchy girl. He goes, get her out of here. He goes, screaming at each other. And he goes, get the adrenaline shot. He goes, where's my little medical book? And they're screaming at each other. And it's, it's a, like a, like someone's dying here, but it's funny. It's a funny scene. And they get the adrenaline shot. And it's this massive needle. And then he's explaining, he goes, you've got to get it through the breastplate. You've got to make a stabbing motion. And, and he's like, i stab know, it three times. <laughs> no, you only stab it once. He goes, how do I know where to hit? He goes, I need a magic marker or something. Goes, magic marker. So he, make, he makes the uh, the little mark on her, on her breastplate there. And then he hits her with the adrenaline. All right, count to three. All right, ready? One. Two. Three. Say something. 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 <laughs> that was fucking trippy. Because <laughs> she, because she's Love just been line. an observer this whole time. She's oh, just yeah. standing she there, like screaming, "Get her out of here!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was that was fucking trippy. That was funny. And it's it's just such a great thing here because obviously, then you know she she's alive. He takes her home. Um, he you know she walks into the house, but then he's like, "Hang on, hang on, hang on." What are we agreeing about this? How are we going to do What are we going to do? And it's like, we've got to agree that this is a secret. And But to the best part of this this scene is, you know, they're, they're five metres apart. She's walking into this luxury home. And she's like, Ma, we won't ever tell him. And John Travolta, Vincent Vega, walks in and says, shake on it. So it's like, you know, it's not just it's not just an agreement. It's we've shook on this. It's happening. Yeah. But and then I she like, turns and tells him that 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 um, joke. That yeah, she joke. didn't want to tell him before, but she tells him the joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what was the joke? As of the, the family of tomatoes were walking, <laughs> and the child, the, the kid tomato was lagging behind. So the dad tomato squished him and said, "Catch up." <laughs> I laughed. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's like a good dad joke, that one. Yeah, it's solid. Uh, okay, so next we're moving on to the next story, which is about focusing on Butch and, and this watch. I think uh, I think the storyline was called the Gold Watch. This is, and, uh, mate. <laughs> this is an intense, seriously weird, crazy. Because you've got it's Christopher Walken, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, he and, plays and Captain Coons, who served this, with Butch's dad. You know, everyone knows Christopher Walken. Even I know his voice, right? Yeah. And it's like he's telling this story, and you're thinking this is. This is amazing, and he's gonna 
But, mate, you could never have predicted in your wildest dreams where this story was going to go. This watch was on your daddy's wrist when he was shot down on Hanoi. He was captured put in a Vietnamese prison camp. He knew that if the gooks ever saw the watch, he'd be confiscated, taken away. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. He'd be damned if any slope's going to put the greasy yellow hands on his boy's birthright. So he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. He'd give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now... Little man, I give the watch to you. <laughs> Can you imagine having a watch up your ass for two years? That's a that's a oh, just mate, that line. Time. There's that's so many good lines in that little speech. <laughs> and it's that, that in the very first part of that audio, that inflection of his, you know? It's yeah. just yeah, it's oh, typical oh, wow. walker. Typical walker. Wow. I love here how remember how Butch's little kid in this scene, the next flash the next cut you see is Butch. Sort of sitting up on the ready to fight, as if as if that's he just replayed that. Yeah, it's like he remembered it. Yeah, that's yes. right. So he's uh, Vincent. And isn't that an amazing piece of f- filmmaking and and cinematography in that what it makes you do? So by replaying a, a memory and then showing the the person in the current day sweating and instantly waking up, the first thing you think is he just replayed that in his mind. Yeah. It doesn't need to be said. Isn't that the most amazing thing about filmmaking is there's things that can be done that are, that, re- that don't require to be spoken. It's very well done. But a lot, I, I like, too, how in this scene a lot's packed in in a couple of minutes. Like, you, you realise he's at the fight. Then mm-hmm. a second later, he's he's not only won the fight, but he, the other fighter was killed. So yeah. he kind of went against what Marcellus Wallace wanted him to do. So he mm-hmm. Marcellus wanted him to take a dive. Uh, he he didn't. So Vincent coming in to see him. Uh, we see Mia there as well with him. She seems okay. And uh, he Marcellus Wallace is saying, "I'll search the globe for that motherfucker." He was saying, and he he jumps. Then he gets changed and jumps out of the window, and then um, gets into the cab. Remember, he's having the conversation with that woman. Yes, uh, I think his name was Esmeralda or something. And there, she was asking, "What does it feel like to kill a man?" And that little that little bit of chit chat. I thought that was probably the deadest part of the movie that that was it was it was interesting but yeah it's it's a it's a moment that didn't need to exist but also like to be honest if you were to pull this apart i mean as a non you know classic man in terms of movies there's a bunch of little like this next bit where um willis is at the hotel with his um partner she's talking about you know wanting to spoon and having a pot belly being sexy and all this stuff (laughs) like to be honest most of it not really yeah. highly relevant to the story, the theme, the anything, right? Mm. Because all I'm thinking at this point is she didn't bring the watch. Like, that's all I'm thinking. Yeah. She didn't yeah. bring the watch. I do love how, like, Butch is this, uh, this hardened boxer and now a criminal and how she's sort of this innocent you know, French woman. She, she's French. Talking yeah. about having the pot belly and how, like, Madonna had it, blah, blah, blah. And, and 
um, he she even asks straight out. She goes, "Oh, will you give me oral pleasure?" Remember, they're just talking about it. what are they going to do because it's, it's evening here, right? So, um, talking about going somewhere in the South Pacific, and so the the sort of the cut then is to the next morning, and she's describing what she wants for breakfast. Remember, she's saying, "I want blueberry yeah. pancakes. I want this," and it's that's that real specificity. She knows exactly those little. But again, details. so so see, in terms of what I would have taken out, I would have taken out that whole bit before this. He could have just come home and collapsed in the bed, right, and gone to sleep after a big fight. Forget all the other stuff that happened, right? But then the important part of this this whole scene in the hotel room was her describing what she wants for breakfast in such detail and then him searching for the watch, finding out it doesn't exist, watch. and then going off. Yes. Because, watch. again, watch. That, that closes the loop on the on the watch story, but it also opens the, 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 the breakfast line to come back later on. Do you know what I mean? Like the stuff that needs to come back, you keep in, but Absolutely. I don't know. I would have cut so, some of that other stuff. So this part now, he says he explode. He, he he explodes. He's, he's really angry. She's sort of really timid. He really he he sort of apologizes. Goes like, I know you didn't mean to do it. <clears throat> so he needs to go back and get it. There's no question that he needs to go and get this watch. We heard in the previous scene what they went through to get it to him. So he decides he's got to go back to his apartment. Yeah, and <clears throat> so you got to remember what's happened here is that. They're on the lookout for him. Yes, he, he hasn't thrown the fight that the he was whole, supposed to throw. So his whole point is, of not being at the apartment was because that's where they're going to be to kill him. Looking. So, I love how he goes back into the apartment to get his watch. He finds the watch exactly where it's described on the kangaroo. Remember the kangaroo yep. next to bed gets it, puts it on, and then thinks, "I'm going to have a pop tart." He decides to then put it in the toaster. But then, while he's waiting for the pop tart, he notices a machine gun on the kitchen bench. Yeah. So he grabs it and who would stumble out of the bathroom, but our man, Vincent Vega, who he kills on the spot. And he, you're thinking, hang on a minute. He's dead already. So we're in the sort of the middle of the movie here. Yes. And you're thinking, okay, there's some time things. There's a bit of time play. Yeah, here. I think this is the first I, moment where you realize these scenes are not flowing out of order. order. Yeah, that's right. Um, because my, I'm like, he's wearing a suit. He's dead. He yeah. was in a scene earlier. Now I understand that's going to come back on me. But yeah, now I'm trying to put before, together yeah. where all this happened. So this whole Butch thing, because obviously the earlier Butch meeting happened, what we now know is at the end. Um, and then this whole comes after it. It's a fascinating thing, which, I mean, I don't un, I don't know or understand. Maybe you do, but... I do, yeah. I'll it, give the timeline. It, no, no, I get that. I get the timeline. But is it written... That. It's a really good explanation of the timeline. Is it written Just, in this way? Or is it written as a story and then pieced up? Do you know what I mean? Like I think he wrote it this way, mate. I don't think he... Uh, this was exactly how he intended it to be. Because there's things that happen. They needed to happen in this order. So even though he had to bend time to do it, so that what I'm talking about is what happens next. So how he, uh, he's you think he's got away with it, he's fine, and and he's driving along, stops at a light. What are the odds he's going to bump yeah. into fucking Marcellus Wallace? Is going to be crossing the road. Yeah, and he pulls out his gun and he runs him down, and they have a gunfight, and she, he chases after him. The bystanders help him, and so while Marcellus Wallace is chasing Butch, and what does Butch do? Butch runs into a pawn shop, and pawn as in. The, you know, porn you sell things, not a porn, yeah, yeah. an adult shop, a porn shop. Um, and he's in the Marcellus Wallace. Remember, he comes in there, they're having a fight, yeah. 
And he's about to kill. He's about. He's got a gun. He's about to shoot Marcellus Wallace. And then the owner pulls out a shotgun. Remember that? Yeah. Hey, don't yeah. you move? Because no one's gonna. No one's gonna get. Anyone's gonna do any killing in here? It's me. And the next thing you see is that uh, I think he calls his mate Zed, he, and he call, he goes, "Ah, oh, spiders just caught a couple of flies for yes. us." And then the next scene, next thing you see is Marcellus and Butch tied up in a chair, arms behind their backs with gag balls in their mouth. You're thinking, what the what fuck is, is going on here? here? Um, Z- Zed arrives, and then he says, how come they're all beat up? He goes, oh, they did that to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> says, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, they beat themselves up. But then he says this classic line. Well, wing out the gimp. The gimp sleeping. Well, I guess you just have to go wake him up now, won't you? I'm sure you've heard that line before. Bring no, out the gimp. Had you not heard that line before? I don't think so, no. Oh, my God. Bring out the gimp. I've used it a million times. <laughs> and we see – what I love about this, how they shot this was you see in the foreground is is Butch and Marcellus Wallace. So they're in focus. Behind them, you see the other room and the other guy unlocking, opening up this wooden box. And the beauty of this scene is that you're you're drawn to what's happening behind, but you're also wondering what they're thinking because there's and one point. To look behind them, yeah, they're trying to. They can't Bruce, look backwards. Butch doesn't really get much, but but um, Marcel Wallace, he really gets quite turned around. Like he's more keen to know what's going on yeah. than Butch is. It's 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 again very well shot. Turns out the gimp is just covered head to toe in leather, and uh, you know he's. Uh, um, then Marcellus Wallace is dragged away into the other room. Butch, Butch, then he's on his own with the gimp. So yep. the gimp is just sitting there. Butch, who's a boxer, so he's pretty strong, and he manages to struggle three with the rope, and he gets free. And the gimp is sort of chained up and sort of starts giggling, and and Butch just knocks him out cold. Um, he thinks then and goes, right, I'm out of here. So did you remember see this bit where Yeah, yeah this oh, is I'm critical. Out. He's just so you were thinking, okay, Butch is out. He's gonna is he gonna leave Marcellus Wallace behind? He gets all the way to the front door. Like he yeah. opens the front unlocks and opens the front door before he then goes back and goes, right, what am I gonna get? He what's the first thing he picks up before uh, he picks I love up a baseball this, bat? He, he picks up first he picks up a baseball bat, then he picks up a chainsaw, yes, and then he ends up with the samurai, the knife, the, yes. the, knife, the big sword. <laughs> um so the samurai sword. So he goes back in and kills the first guy. Yep. And when uh, you see he frees Marcellus Wallace and then Marcellus Wallace grabs the dead guy's shotgun and he goes, out of my way, Butch. Yep. And uh, then this goes down. (laughs) Okay. Nah, man. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. I'ma call a couple of hard pipe-hitting niggas to go to work on the homes here with a pair of pliers and a blowtorch. You hear me talking, hillbilly boy? I ain't through with you by damn sight. I'm going to get medieval on your ass. <laughs> that, you've, I'm sure you've heard that before. Yes. You're going to get medieval on you. That That's sort of a, an iconic line out of that as well. But sort of what, what 
Butch is trying to establish here is he okay? What what about between me and you? What what's going to happen? And he goes, there is no you and me. Are we cool? Yeah, okay. You can't tell anyone about this, but you leave town and you stay out of town, and they go their separate ways. And he goes back then <clears throat> to pick up Fabian. And this is that this is that that moment where, again, he you, you see his his two sides, you know, because he's this Butch, literally fighter, but he's also this you know um, caring partner. Uh, baby, please, we got, honey, we gotta hit the fucking road. Get on. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetie. I didn't mean to worry. Everything's fine. How was your breakfast? It was good. Did you get the pancakes? The no, blueberry pancakes? I didn't have blueberry pancakes. I had to get buttermilk. Are you sure you're okay? Honey, since I left you, it is, this has been without a doubt the single weirdest fucking day of my life. Come on, hop on. I'll tell you all about it. Come on, get on. Gotta go, gotta go. Come on. Whose motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> Such a quotable movie. So they 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 ride off, and uh, we next we see Vince and Jules are back in the boys' apartment. So we've gone back to that scene near the start of the movie. Okay, so we've turned, we've doubled back around. Okay. So this is obviously before the scene that we just saw because Vincent is still alive. And this is the first time we hear we hear Jules quoting Ezekiel. You read the Bible, Greg? Uh, yes. Well, there's this passage I got memorized. Sort of fits the occasion. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children and i will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. So it's good night, Brett, there. See, what I like about that is that's, so that's the second time you hear him quoting Ezekiel because it's it's the exact same it's the exact same scene but from a different angle because you're hearing it from inside that other room where there's this extra bloke, right? Because he you don't know he's there in that okay. first time we're in this apartment. That extra bloke, there's been people saying that he's a, like a, a doppelganger of Jerry Seinfeld. Do you reckon that guy looks like Jerry Seinfeld in that other room? Oh, a little bit. I've seen clips. People have put that clip on YouTube saying Jerry Seinfeld in, in Pulp Fiction. Quite, quite a bit. Quite funny. Anyway. This, the, is, this is where he's talking about the – because that guy comes out shooting. Oh, yeah. He's got a hand cannon. Kylie. Yeah, yeah. And so now he's like, this is divine. Jules, is, this is divine intervention. God, stop the bullets. It's a whole – Again, a whole conversation that goes. Well, it was sort of like a, 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 a what what Jules believes. He goes, he goes, we should be dead now. Like the guy had a massive gun, and he goes, mm. we, we were there. He was right in front of us, and so he's thinking, yeah, God, like God did, God stop the bullets. So he must yeah. have it was a miracle. And then so they they've they've shot Marvin as well. Remember the guy in the corner? So oh, now they haven't shot him. They just took him with him. He's not dead yet. They take take him with him, with them, 
and they're they're chatting or chatting away about uh, about things, and he's saying he's talking about how he's going to change his ways. I mean, that's it for me. From here on in, you consider my ass retired. Jesus Christ! Don't blaspheme. God damn it! I said, don't do that. Hey, you know why you're fucking freaking out on us? Look, I'm telling Marcellus today, I'm through. Well, why don't you tell him at the same time why? Don't worry, I will. Yeah, and I bet you ten thousand dollars he laughs his ass off. I don't give a damn if he does. <sighs> Marvin, what do you make of all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped? Oh, what the fuck's happening now? Oh, oh man. man! Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? <laughs> oh man, I see some crazy ass shit in my time, but this. <laughs> oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. It's such a good line. Uh, you just see the whole back window just covered in blood. The whole car oh. is covered in blood and brains and everything. And they're thinking, well, we've got to get the car off the road. Where are we? Because we're in the valley, motherfucker. What are we going to do? Oh, so they decide a to phone a friend and they, yeah. um, Jimmy, they go to Jimmy's house, who <laughs> is a mate of Jules. And this yeah. Jimmy is played by Quentin Tarantino. So you, yeah. you recognize him. Yeah. Um, and. I love how this again. These little detailed conversations in this scene are just classic, right? And do you remember when they first arrive, and they're in the bathroom washing their hands, and Jules looks at Vincent, and he goes, he looks at the towel which is covered in blood. He goes, "What the fuck?" He goes, "He goes, oh, he goes, I wash. I saw you wet your hands. You didn't wash them." He goes, "I washed my hands." He goes, "I didn't make the towel look like a maxi pad after I washed it." He goes, "It's this sort of shit that brings things to a head." So he's, so he's aware of the sensitivity of his mate Jimmy here, right? Yeah. And he brings him the coffee. Now, this is another favorite line. I haven't got the audio for this, but I say this all the time. Remember when he said, he goes, this is great coffee. He goes, yeah, my wife buys coffee. It's shit. I like to, I pay extra. I like the good, I like my coffee. And he goes, you lead, you lead some gourmet shit on us. And I use that line all the time. Especially with Joe when when she we're talking about something really nice. And yeah, you got to bring out the gourmet shit. So I quote this all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he says, Look, you don't need to tell me how good my coffee is. I know it's fucking good. He goes, But tell me, did you see the sign outside that said dead nigger storage? There's no. He goes, Well, there's no sign out there that says dead nigger storage, is there? And so, so they're having this conversation about how he goes, Look, if my wife comes home, I'm fucked. He goes, Do you think I like you better than my wife, than my marriage? What are you doing? Yeah. You need to get shit done, get it done. And they call the wolf. So I love, I love the fact that, don't forget, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, right? It's yeah. 8 a.m. Yeah. And he's at a black tie event. Of course. At 8 a.m. What's he doing at 8 a.m. in black tie? That's what I'd like to know. That's his it's character, mate. He's, he's, he's always in black tie. He wakes up in black tie. That's why I assume. <laughs> well, I love they call him, and when he arrives, he has this to say. You're Jimmy, right? This is your house? Sure is. I'm Winston Wolf. We solve problems. Good, we got one. So I heard. May I come in? Uh, yeah, please do. You must be Jules. We should make you Vincent. Let's get down to brass tacks, gentlemen. If I was informed correctly, the clock is ticking. Is that right, Jimmy? Uh, 100%. Your wife, Bonnie, comes home at 9.30 in the a.m., is that correct? Uh-huh. I was led to believe if she comes home and finds us here, she wouldn't appreciate none too much. Who wanted that? All right, that gives us 40 minutes to get the fuck out of Dodge. Which, if you do what I say, when I say it, should be plenty. Now, you got a corpse in a car, minus a head in a garage. Take me to it. So he's pretty <laughs> methodical, and this is Harvey Keitel, by the way, who's been in, uh, was in Reservoir Dogs as well. So he's a, a Quentin Tarantino favorite. 
and I love he's he's only got a short part in the film, but I, I love how he's uh, you know given them the instructions, you know how to clean the car. He's like it doesn't have to be you don't have to yeah. eat off it, just clean it, and tell, giving them instructions on what they need to do. And I love the little scene then where. Uh, Jules is in the back seat of the car. Yes, and Jan Vincent's in the front. <laughs> and then, then Jules yeah, realizes, "Hang on a minute, you should be back here. You should be on brain detail." And then, and he, yes, clean the face. And there's another quote uh, in this where, and I actually used it on my computer as a. Please don't forget, this was mid '90s. I had my, yeah, you know, the that was a novelty where you can get little movie clips to be like your yeah. error, your error message. And the, the, the line that I used was, remember when uh, Vincent said something and, and Jules replied, get the fuck out of my face with that shit. That was my, that was my error message on my Mac for like a year. Sure, mine was <laughs> so, just, don't, but anyway. Yeah, I had that as well, but no, I, I used, uh, I used the, uh, that and line. And this is where we find out why they're wearing those clothes. Because obviously they're, yes. they're covered in blood. They're in the backyard now. They strip off, they hose off. I love the fact that he says you've both been in, inside, so you know what this is going to be like. He hoses them off. And then, then. He puts on Jimmy's clothes and they, they laugh. They, Jimmy and, and look like a couple Wolf of dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they Very drop good. off the car at Monster Joe's. So that's obviously they've made a call. They're going to get rid of the car and the corpse and all done. Um, and then I think at the end, it was uh, Jules says it was a pleasure watching you work. So the next scene is okay. So now you see them in their t shirt shorts. And yes. the next thing you see is they're walking into a diner. And so it takes a couple of minutes to – you see them having a conversation. Remember, they, they're talking about, uh, you know, you love bacon. There was this nice little conversation about, oh, I don't eat filthy animals. I don't like yes. bacon. Yeah, but bacon tastes good. Pork chokes tastes good. He goes, yeah, but it's a filthy animal. There's a really specific way Travolta cuts up his bloody pancake yeah. as well. It's like this, this whole thing. It's <laughs> like, as you said, it's a few minutes before they take a wide shot and you see the yes. other two – from the original you scene. Then it's the same diner from the beginning, yes, right? So that's right. I love, though, that he's, he sort of talks about feeling the, the touch of God. He goes, I'm gonna, I can't go back to that life. And he says, so what are you going to do? And I love his answer. He goes, I'm going to walk the earth like Cain in Kung Fu, meet people, get in adventures. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite funny. And then you hear in the other side of the cafe, garçon, coffee. Remember what he said at the beginning? Yeah, and the yeah. waitress comes over and goes, garçon means boy, dickhead, sort of thing, you know. Um, so you realise, hang on, the fuck, they're in the same cafe yeah. as before. And so they're now in the middle of this of this, of this this robbery. And when, uh, when uh, Tim Roth's character comes across, sticks the gun in his face, he <laughs> asks for the case. He goes, give me the case. I can't do that. Calls him Ringo. Can't do that, Ringo. He goes, what do you mean? And he ends up, so I'm going to count to three. And he goes, okay, gives him the case. He opens the case. He goes, oh, is that what I think it is? He goes, yep. But then he he pulls his gun out. He goes, right, now you're mine. So here's, here's where the conversation moves. Here's the situation. Normally, both your assets would be dead as fucking fried chicken. But you happen to pull this shit while I'm in a transitional period, and I don't want to kill you. I want to help you. But I can't give you this case. Because it don't belong to me. Besides, I've been through too much shit over this case this morning to just hand it over to your dumb ass. Vincent! <laughs> Be cool! Yolanda, it's cool, baby. It's cool! We still just talking. Come on, point the gun at me! Point the gun at me! There you go. Now, Vincent, you just hang back and don't do a goddamn thing. Tell him we're still cool. Still cool, honey bunny. How we doing, baby? I, I gotta go pee. 
<laughs> so, so do you remember when like um, Vincent went to the bathroom with the yeah. same book? Same book. He took in the bathroom when he was killed by Bruce Correct. Yeah. Um, and what book said, is it? Uh, oh, jeez, I knew you'd ask me that. It will, oh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. I, I remember seeing it. Just can't um, believe it's not part of your notes, mate. Somebody. So, <laughs> oh, it might be actually. The um, then he talks to me. Mimi goes. Mimi goes. Okay, get, pull out my wallet and take take out the money. Fifteen hundred dollars. Okay, put it in your pocket. It's yours. Now with the rest of those wallets in the register. That makes this a pretty successful little score, huh? Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Then shut the fuck up! Yeah! Come on, Yolanda, stay with me, baby. Now, I ain't giving it to him, Vincent. I'm buying something for my money. Wanna know what I'm buying, Ringo? Your life. I'm giving you that money so I don't have to kill your ass. So he's again the redemption. <laughs> Shoot him on redemption. general principle. So good. <laughs> and so they they let him go. They said, look, this is a successful score. And uh, I think when 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 uh, Vincent comes back to the table, he says, I think we better be leaving now because yeah. big drama. So they decide to head off in their shorts and t-shirts. They hide their weapons, walk out, and end of the movie. So, so you see, I love uh, that it starts and ends in the same place. I love that it starts and ends with two different stories coming together. So good, awesome. So um, the that that was, uh, and I think what was the runtime about two hour two twenty two twenty something like that. And mate, yeah. it, it went. It didn't even think. I didn't even think it was that long. It went yeah. really quickly. So it's such such a great great movie. But so many great lines, mate. This this section of the favorite quotes, it could have been fifty different quotes here. <laughs> I've found out. I've found the the top four. He starts with this one. You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? No. Tell him, Vincent. Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. You know why they call it that? Uh, because of the metric system. Check out the big brain on bread. <laughs> I say that all the time. If someone says, check out the big brain on Trev. I love that line. Here's my other favorite line yeah. when Wolf gets the Wolf. call to come to save the situation. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. <laughs> I just love the fact that he's got a, a NX, NSX, so he's got this Acura. He's, he's got, got Acura. sporty car, yeah. But what I love about that scene too is that when he, after he says that line, you see his car peeling around the corner. And on the bottom of the screen, it says nine minutes and 57 seconds later is his car <laughs> arriving, which is genius. But in the cafe, I do like this when, when uh, Jules asks for his wallet back. Now, I want you to go in that bag and find my wallet. Which one is it? It's the one that says bad motherfucker. <laughs> which is funny because initially you think okay he just just he, what he's saying there is just find it but then he pulls it out and it's actually it says, says bad motherfucker on it, it. which now, to be honest if, given you're still a boring human who carries a wallet must be a great present absolutely yeah i'd love to have that wallet that says bad motherfucker on it. i think you can buy that wallet actually yeah here's the other one and this is kind of yeah you know, he's been quoting ezekiel the whole movie and then he realizes its meaning the truth is you're the weak, and I am the tyranny of evil men. But I'm trying, Ringo. 
I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. So uh, that was one of the many great quotes in the movie. Yeah. But let's move on to – there's some plot holes here. There are some things that happen. Um, I'm going to start off with the scene where Jules and Vincent, um, they, they, they kill Brett. So it's sort of he, from his perspective. Yeah. And if you look closely at that scene, right, when they're shooting Brett, there's already bullet holes in the wall behind them when you look closely. So when they get fired at, you can already see the bullet holes. So do were they the bullet holes? Were the bullet holes somehow mysteriously disappeared? So it adds to that whole thing. Was it actually a bloody miracle? Was it a miracle that they weren't killed? Because they were. You look closely; the bullet holes are already on the wall. So whatever happens, I think um, up to the viewer. It, it, it was it a miracle? Was it not? That that's kind of open to interpretation. The other plot hole here is the famous shooting Marvin in the face scene. Yeah. You don't you reckon if he shot him in the head, it the would, window would have been blown out. Back window would have been shattered. That's right. Yes, that's you right. You did pick that up. Good. So we do <clears> see <throat> that. Also, there's uh, another plot hole there where um, Wolf says, "You know, I've got you got a body with no head." But when they when they close the trunk, you see, you see his the, head. Yeah. Yes, of course. So uh, <laughs> it didn't blow his entire head off. Apparently, as we see. Um, and the other plot hole we kind of touched on earlier: Would you drive high with your boss's wife? Vincent picks up Mia after shooting up heroin. So yeah, we like kind it of makes no sense to an immortal, but when you're an underworld figure, I guess you know how to control your life. Or something. Yeah, exactly right. Right, uh, things you might not know, Trev. Um, now I meant remember Reservoir Dogs. This was the I don't know you probably haven't seen that. That was the movie that he made before. Um, <laughs> Does it shock you to know that I haven't seen no, that? No, it doesn't. But um, very very popular movie of, of Quentin Tarantino. I think Pulp Fiction's a better movie, but Reservoir Dogs still a good good film anyway. One of the characters in um, Reservoir Dogs is Mister Blonde also known as Vic Vega, played by Michael Madsen. Now, Tarantino said he he confirmed that that was Vincent Vega's brother. Huh. And they were planning even a spin-off movie, having the two of them together. So having Vincent, so having John Travolta and Michael Madsen in a movie together, which is like a, he was going to make a prequel to both of the movies, both wow. Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. But... Um, by the time they got around to it, they said both actors were looked too old to play a younger version of themselves. So they yeah, decided right. to scrap it. Now, do you remember when the uh, Butch, uh, sorry, Vincent was complaining about his car getting his car getting key? Yeah. Quentin Tarantino confirmed on the extras of the DVD and the Blu-ray that Butch was the one who keyed his car. <laughs> do you remember after their little meeting in the bar? Yes. He's gone out and keyed his car. That's when it happened then. <laughs> How many times do you reckon the word fuck is used in the movie, mate? Have a guess. 73. More. 120. More. 200. More. 320. Less. 270. 265 times. Oof. Oof. That's uh, pretty good. Now, the wallet that's pulled out of the bag that says bad motherfucker on it, actually belonged to Quentin Tarantino. That was his own wallet he put in the movie. <laughs> Vincent Vega is the only character that's in every part of the movie. Oh, wow, yeah. He was in the yeah. with his wife, the gold watch, Bonnie situation, and the diner. He was in all three. Now, do you remember the scene where they're at the, the apartment 
and he's talking to Brett. Remember, he goes, what? He goes, I've never heard of a country. Do they speak English in what? <laughs> in that scene, remember when he flips the table, he rips the table out from in front of him? Yeah. That was actually improvised by Samuel L. Jackson. That wasn't wow. in the script. And the reaction of the actor Brett was played by a guy named Frank Whaley. He's thinking, holy shit, what's happening here? That was genuine fear. He didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, and all, and that, all that shot was done in one take, apparently, as well. Wow. Now, if you recall the scene with Christopher Walken, right? Remember that great scene? He plays Captain Coons, right? And he's giving uh, Butch the watch, right? Explaining what happened. Now, you notice if you watch it again, when he's talking about it, he appears to, he sort of pauses for, it's about a 20 second pause. What had happened, Christopher Walken had forgotten the next line and they he just hung in there. And then he remembered it and continued. Wow. That's him. And he actually admitted, he goes, I forgot my line. He goes, but you know what? It was, it looked like it was authentic. So they kept it in. Wow. You watch it again. There's that pause. He's, and you look at the look in his eyes thinking, what the fuck's my next line? And then he remembers it. Wow. And that's what he did. It, it looked, it looked, it looked genuine. So he kept it in. Um, the passage from the Bible that Jules memorized was actually not, Word for word, the passage. It was actually <laughs> mostly made up by Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson. The first part is about the righteous man, the tyranny of evil men is not real. But uh, the second half of it is almost accurate. So the second half actually reads, and I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. And as you'll know, my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee is a direct quote from Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen. So the way it was written in the Bible, though, is I will execute great vengeance upon them with wrathful chastisements. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. But uh, nowhere in that passage does anything about a righteous man and evil men and shepherding the weak in the valley of darkness. So it's taking a bit of license with the Bible. Yeah, it's just the Bible. Uh, The line, you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris, the Royale with cheese, was voted number 81 of the 100 greatest movie lines by Premier Magazine back in 2007. Would you believe Daniel Day-Lewis, multiple Oscar-winning actor, wanted to play the role of Vincent Vega? But Tarantino was that dead set on having Travolta that he turned him down. He goes, no, I want John Travolta in this role. That's how much he wanted John Travolta. He turned down an Oscar-winning actor. says, no, JT's our man. Uh, when there was a, the, the movie was being put together, it was originally going to be uh, through TriStar Pictures. So uh, when they read the screenplay, though, the head of the studio, Mike Medavoy, when he read the script, he goes, this is demented. He goes, I don't think the violence and drug use uh, is, is, is any good. So what he did, they did what they call, they put the movie in turnaround. So they kind of said, you know what, we're not going to make this. So do what you need to do. That's called turnaround. And so then all the other studios had had a crack at it. Wow. <clears throat> Others passed. But have a guess who came to the rescue? No idea. Harvey Weinstein. I did see him in the credits. Yes. yes. Harvey Weinstein, who had just set up Miramax, was this was one of the very first movies that Miramax right. produced. And uh, it they bought it from the studio for $80 million. And it, of course, went on to make a lot of money. Now, according to uh, the sources that I found on the internet here, Julia Louis-Dreyfus turned down the role of Mia Wallace. Oh, wow. She was you know, So Elaine from Seinfeld 
yeah. turned the role down because she was had her commitments with Seinfeld. She couldn't take time out to do that. Now, at the Jack Rabbit Slims, we we hear Mia Wallace describing the plot of the pilot that she was in. Remember how mm-hmm. she talks about, you know, yep. there was the, there was a blonde one, the Japanese one, the Kung Fu master, the black yeah, girl yeah. was a demolition yep. expert, French Fox especially was sex, mine was knives. What she was actually describing there became one of Tarantino's next movies, which was Kill Bill. Wow. Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 it has that lineup of characters in it. Wow. So he kind of described his next movie as a, in a throwaway line. <clears throat> now, if you look at, remember this scene where Jules, you can see his, um, there's a close-up of his license. Yeah. It said he lives in, do you remember how he quotes Ezekiel? He lives, though, his address is 1225 Shepherd Way. <laughs> you know how to talk about the shepherd? There's no Shepherd Way in Inglewood, by the way. Uh, it's it's a it's also sort of referring to the Ezekiel the Ezekiel quote, and you also note the expiry date was the sixth of the sixth of the sixth. So it's <laughs> the, just attention to detail there. Now, the chronology of the movie. Okay, yeah. do you remember how it's sort of all taken apart? Takes place over four days. Okay, day one, seven thirty a.m. was the apartment. Remember the hit. Followed by the accident with Marvin and the cleanup, then the hold up at the restaurant, followed by the delivery of the case to Wallace. Remember? So after that, remember yep. when they met Butch, the encounter with Butch? This was when Butch apparently keyed Vincent's car. The second day is not accounted for, but when Jules begins his walkabout. So Jules is out of the picture. Third day is when Butch and Fabian check into the hotel. Then that same evening, Vincent goes to Lance's house to buy drugs. He tells him about the, the car getting keyed. Uh, he also says that there were the, that was followed by the outing with Mia and the overdose. Returned to Lance's house. The morning of the fourth day was when Vincent was killed in Butcher's apartment, followed by Zed and Wallace and the departure then of Butch and Fabian. That was the actual timeline of the movie which we saw was chopped and changes chopped mm. and changed interesting now did you ever wonder what the fuck was in the case yeah because that the, the two times yes. it's opened it shines bright goldish well there was a lot of speculation on the interwebs about this right so there was it was it elvis's suit was it something from a the true from true romance uh the the a lot of the like a lot of people speculated that it was Marcellus's Wallace's soul in there. <laughs> now, there's a lot of so so. You, do you remember early on when you see the back of Marcellus Wallace's head? Yeah, and he's a got band-aid a band-aid on the back of his head. Now, the story is that when a devil takes a person's soul, it's removed through the back of their head. Jesus that's Christ! Why, what does Tarantino like, say about this? Oh, well, he he sort of left it out there. He doesn't want to dispel anything. He's kind of telling people that uh, it's up to your imagination. He basically said that what it was was just a fucking light bulb in a globe, uh, a light bulb in the case, and basically said it was an orange globe, and he just left it up to the viewer's imagination to uh, to make up their own mind what was in there. But you never, <laughs> he doesn't ever specify what it was, but he just says, look, it's up to the viewer's imagination of what they think it is. Now, did you notice at the beginning of the movie, do you remember the very beginning of the movie where Bunny – shouts, any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you, right? Yeah. When she says it in the last scene, 
it's different. She says, any of you fucking pricks move, I'll, exec- I'll execute every last one of your motherfuckers. It's a different line, right? Oh, unbelievable. So hang on, no, no. Well, apparently this was on purpose. So it's not a mistake because what Quentin Tarantino is saying is that it was from Ringo's perspective. The last scene was from Ringo's perspective, and that's how he heard it. So his Good perspective. Smother, Quentin, but you, yeah. you put the wrong take in. <laughs> so no, that's that's his interpretation. So um, he the first one was Yolanda's perspective. The second one was Ringo's perspective, and that's how it goes. Now, did you notice too when he's making the shot with the adrenaline, the plunger? Yeah. The adrenaline needle, the plunger was already down, like it is it if it already been squeezed. Oh, right, okay. It wasn't fully back, so that was uh, that. I'm me worried about the size of the needle on such a small yeah, it's pretty big. person. If you look closely to in the credits, they've misspelled Harvey Keitel's name. Oh. It says they call him Havy Cartel. They leave the R out of Harvey Keitel. Oops. The end credits too. To finish off, the end credit says uh, a special thanks to Jennifer Beals. Now Jennifer Beals was an actress in the eighties. She her she was in um, in Flashdance, really popular actress in the eighties and nineties. Apparently, Jennifer Beals was close friends with Quentin Tarantino's back in the nineties before he was sort of a big superstar director, mm. and he often crashed on her couch when he was a struggling director before he'd ever made a movie. She'd let him crash on the couch, so she wow. sort of supported him before he became a big star. That's why there is special thanks to Jennifer Beals in the nice. end credits. There we have it, Pulp Fiction. What do you think, Trev? Your wrap up and your rating. Well, I think it's one of the greatest. <clears throat> I really enjoyed it. It's the, the pace of it, even though I'd love to now see it in chronological order just to see how it changes the kind of perception of the movie. But, mate, I loved it. I loved it. The, the humour in it, the wit, the lines, the acting. Just, mate, I loved every bit of it. I'll definitely watch it again. It's a nine and a half. Easy. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that this is sort of one of those timeless movies that is, mm. uh, is so rewatchable. So quotable, I think that that sort of adds to it as well. That it is such such a, 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 a so many great lines that I like. I said to this day still use. Uh, so yeah, and this this set Tarantino on to have this fantastic career. He's now produced his most recent movie was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Remember with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. He's done The Hateful Eight. He's done Django Unchained. So many great films that, he, that he's made. But uh, let's turn our attention to next week, though, Trev. Next week, we're uh, looking at the movie. We're watching Stand By Me. Now, this I definitely is saw this as a kid, mate. I definitely saw this. This is all. Here's what I know. A group of boys, train tracks and leeches. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very good memory there. But it's actually based on a novella. And here's your millionaire. That was a novella. Yeah, a novella is like a short novel. Okay. Who wrote the novella that is that Stand By Me is based on? Okay, here's your millionaire question, Trev. Okay, okay. Is it A, John Grisham, B, Jeffrey Archer, C, Stephen King, or D, Michael Crichton? A, Jer- <sighs> Jeffrey Archer, B, John Grisham, C, Stephen King, D, Michael Crichton. All very I've... famous best-selling authors. Who wrote the novella that Stand By Me is based on? I have no idea, but I'm going to throw out Stephen King just because it, it doesn't seem right. Stephen King is correct. <laughs> it is based on Stephen King's novella called The Body. Oh. 
So oh, we we find out that yes, it was turned uh, adapted by Rob Reiner, the dude who brought us a few good men. This he made this a few years before a few good men, uh, and uh, it turned out into be a fantastic film, which is why we're doing it on the show next week. So I can't wait to get into it next week, mate. Stand by me is our next film. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it, and of course, our dear listeners, we're looking forward to having you join us again for the show. So, thank you to our sponsors, Fetch and High Sense. Terrific show this week. Pulp Fiction next week. Stand by me. So, if you don't want to take the last exit before the freeway, you can watch it on Fetch on your High Sense TV.